0: Welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. The Contrarians is brought to you by Smarks Like Us Clothing and Avnio Films. Be sure to keep up with the pretentious ramblings of Alex and Julio on Twitter at JamesAlexMattis and at Avnio. That's O V N I O. Yes, this is the main theme from Star Wars Episode 3. Why, you might ask? It's simple. It's the best film in the franchise. Hello, welcome to The Contrarians, episode number two here on The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. We're here to disprove the lies and myths of Rotten Tomatoes and aggregate sites of that nature as it pertains to film. My name is Alex, and I'm joined always by Julio. Julio, how's it going? It's going great, I'm ready. Destroy the lies and spread the truth. Uh, ready to burst out of the chest, so to speak, as we are doing Alien 3 this week which sits at a very quizzical 43% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Uh, mighty low, wouldn't you say? I don't understand I don't understand the world. And this is, you know, maybe if it was like a newer movie,
1: I could understand that it just caught the world by surprise. But, okay, we've had a long time to, to reverse this, this score.
0: Nearly 20 years, uh, or excuse me, over 20 years, as it was released on May twenty second, 1992. It was the third installment in the Alien franchise, obviously, as the title indicates. And I think a lot of people had their hopes pretty high, and for some reason, a lot of people weren't satiated by this. It's easily the best out of the
1: franchise, I'm sorry, but that's... I understand maybe when it first came out, it, it just threw people off because it's really dark, and it's really, it goes places that... I guess they were not expecting it to go to, but now, I mean, looking at it objectively, is so much better than Alien, Aliens, and, well, I mean, Resurrection is not even an argument, but Alien and Aliens, I'm sorry, they have nothing on Alien 3. The <laughs>
0: only real contender, I think, in the franchise to oppose Alien 3 would be Aliens versus Predators 2. I think that is up there at the top of the list, but Aliens 3, I think, does take. I think
1: you mean Aliens versus Predator, Requiem?
0: Requiem, excuse me. Yes. I, I thought I mean, there was a digit in the title.
1: Let's show it some respect. I agree, but I like to treat those as a separate franchise because they're just too awesome to be part of like the alien. They
0: reinvented the wheel, so I think we need to just include these first four in here. For clarification,
1: we're going over the theatrical version, the theatrical cut of the movie. They're set an assembly cut that has that's longer and has more awesome stuff. But
0: That was released 11 years after the original in 2003 without the permission of the director of this film, which is David Fincher. But we'll get into all that here in a little bit. So Alien 3 stars Sigourney Weaver, and the movie starts off with Lieutenant Ripley. We start off right at the end of Aliens. And yeah, that
1: basically it picks up right where we left off. She's heading towards Earth, I guess, with Lieutenant Hicks and Newt, the little girl that they saved and uh, adopted, basically, at the end of Aliens. And, and Bishop,
0: Bishop, who is um, David's father, Michael Fossbender from Prometheus. We start off and things go awry. There's a fire on the ship and their escape pod is um, detached and crashes into planet Fury 151, 161. 161, I think. Which is a, a prisoner-run mining planet. This is just... This should
1: have given you a hint of where you were going. That was Fincher kind of, like, trying to warn people, hey, you're gonna be furious when you watch this movie. Be aware of this, cool down, then watch it again, and then you'll appreciate what's going right on. Right away,
0: it's got, like, almost a, a Pulp Fiction-type vibe to it because you think you're going one way and it just does a complete 180 on you. You know, you are thinking going to Earth and everything's gonna be okay. And, uh, no, sir.
1: No, instead, you basically lose everybody from the previous movie except for Ripley. Uh, they... Went ahead, David Fincher had the balls to kill a 12-year-old girl in the opening of his new movie. In, in his, his first movie. film. Yes, I know. That was just David Fincher saying, <laughs> Fuck that bitch. I have arrived. I don't care about Michael Bean who played Hicks. I don't care about the girl that played Nude. I don't care about Lance Hendrickson. I'll take care of Bishop. He has like a couple of scenes later, but... <laughs> eh. Yeah, I yeah. mean, that was just... I oh, don't know. Just so uh, fans wouldn't, wouldn't go too crazy. But yeah, pretty early on, David Fincher's telling you this is not the alien movie that you expected. This
0: ain't yeah. your grandpa's alien.
1: If you thought that this was going to be the story of how Sigourney Weaver uh, and Hicks raised a 12-year-old on Earth, no, that's not what happens. Sorry. You, you'd have, have to, to wait
0: a couple years for You Got Mail to come out. Yes. So we crash on this planet. Sigourney Weaver is the only survivor she's taken off the ship and rehabilitated back to good health. This, um prisoner-run mining planet is all male. We're shown that it's been female-free for quite some time, and a female being introduced into the society there can just shake it down to its very core. And the men don't really know how to respond, and Sigourney Weaver is oppressed. So is the tale of the female. Right right from the get-go we get this tale of feminine oppression.
1: I think David Fincher knew exactly what he was doing when he allowed Sigourney Weaver to be the only female in the movie. That just shows you that's just how how women feel in this world, you know? They're they're alone in a society dominated by males. In this case, you know, it's 25 males that cannot wait to rape her. That's just like, they say it out, like the first 10 minutes of the movie, she is in danger, because they haven't seen a woman in forever, and these guys are not just regular people, they're like criminals. Except for the Doctor, who had an amazing casting decision as Charles Dance. Dr. Clemens. I, Dr. Clemens is played by Charles Dance, who decades later would play Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones, which Mm -hmm. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, because you haven't reached that level of enlightenment where you like Game of Thrones, but for those Game of Thrones fans, Charles Dance is amazing, and you get to see him, like, really young in this movie, being kind of a, kind of a pansy. (laughs) But
0: <laughs> he, he gets victimized right away because Sigourney Weaver, the powerful, dominant female, uh, she wants a little action. She's been pent up for a while, and she she uh, gets Doctor Clemens for a booty call. So things are hot and heavy right off the bat in Alien Three. Yep.
1: Again, it's like still the first act. We haven't really seen like any alien deaths, and Sigourney Weaver gets laid, and that's good. That's I think that that's what the movie's telling you that uh, you know it's supporting a uh, strong, independent female leading character that just doesn't need a boyfriend. Therefore, they kill Hicks. Doesn't need a surrogate daughter. Therefore, they kill Newt. Doesn't need uh, an android helping her navigate through this scary world. Before they get rid of Bishop. And that's really neat. A relationship you can have a one night stand with Doctor and be perfectly cool about it later.
0: And just being fearless, to be submerged into this tank of sharks and knowing that you will prevail. I think Beyonce draws a lot of her inspiration from Alien 3 and all her music and music videos these days.
1: I think you can trace back, like any strong female character these years, uh, you know, this day and age, can be traced back to Ripley. Like an alien.
0: The, uh, the Ally McBeal woman? I resent that term because it should be the Lieutenant Ripley from Alien 3. Yeah, I mean,
1: this woman, she she finds Charles C. Dutton, who's like the preacher leader of the of the inmates Dylan there. Dylan the Good Brother. Dylan the Good Brother. He tells her that he's, I quote, a murderer and rapist of women. And then the next thing she does is stare him in the eyes and sit in front of him to eat <laughs> that and breakfast. And she says,
0: then I must make you nervous.
1: I'm sorry. There's nobody quite as badass in the movie or in the franchise.
0: I think that's the female equivalent of uh, "Make My Day," the uh, classic Clint Eastwood line. I think Sigourney Weaver kind of set the tone for all the actresses to come. How on earth,
1: Dad didn't catch on? Uh, you know, pop culture. Why isn't that we don't have girls everywhere saying, "I guess I'm making you nervous." I, I don't understand. That's just it was ahead of its time.
0: But Ripley meets up with Dr. Clemens and then, like we said, meets up with Dylan the Good Brother. Through Dr. Clemens, she performs autopsies on Newt and all the deceased cast members to make sure that there's nothing inside of them. She insists on cremating them, so they throw them into the molten vat where they incinerate a lot of things. All the while, it turns out that an alien was on board. It just stayed behind as one of the uh, prisoner's dogs goes back to the ship and we see a face hugger. And it burrows itself into the dog. I could be wrong about this, Alex, but I think this is the
1: first and only time in movie history we've seen an alien come out of a dog.
0: I think that's an accurate
1: statement. I can't think of anything else. Well, that's David Fincher for you, just, like, innovating. The- first
0: film, he was just, like, killing a 12-year-old girl, alien out of a dog, you know, female empowerment. This, he hit the ground running.
1: He knew he had things that he wanted to say, and they had to do with women and dogs.
0: So the crew is cremated. As
1: Charles Dutton has this powerful moment that's probably your favorite part of the movie. The eulogy,
0: Uh, as the the crew members are all cremated. Meanwhile, where the attention is not being laid on the uh, planet is the dog that hatches birth to the new xenomorph who right away just starts tearing through the ship and basically turns into kind of like a, a sci-fi Michael Myers where he's just stalking down everyone he can and disemboweling them in the most violent way as possible You know this is
1: coming because obviously like all these prisoners they're, they're they're just cannon fodder you know the the main person here is Ripley so you expect all the others to start falling apart throughout the movie until it's just the alien versus her, as it should be. The big surprise, what you don't expect, is for them to get rid of Charles Dance, not even like halfway through the movie, I think.
0: Uh, uh, Dr. Clemens is consoling Ripley as uh, it's discovered. One of the prisoners comes back reporting of two of his friends being brutally murdered. The warden, played by Brian Glover, accuses the gentleman of doing it. Ripley knows better, knows that it was the alien, in fact, that killed them. Charles Dance takes her aside and tries to calm her down, and then, of course... Because he's the good guy. And if you've learned anything from any horror movies, if you have sex in the first act, you're going to get brutally murdered in the second. I believe his head gets taken off? I think that the alien grabs his head and then uses that super awesome... The lunging thing The lunging
1: thing inside his mouth to uh, just punch a hole through his forehead. It's not pretty. He
0: doesn't have a good end.
1: And no, no. it was tell you that being a good guy in this world doesn't doesn't amount to anything it does not protect you
0: but it also tells you that she doesn't need a man she needs oh no exactly man. that's
1: yeah. that is and i think that the alien knows this you know the alien has an opportunity to kill her right there but instead what well, you know at that point of the movie but you learn eventually is that there's a reason why the alien doesn't hurt her and there is something I let's go ahead and spoil it like it's the fact that she has an alien queen inside her
0: that moment though after he uh kills dr clemens and becomes face to face with ripley that's like righteous kill when Pacino and De Niro are on the same screen at the same time it's just it's a a bit too much to take in or uh even in The Departed when Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio are finally on screen together I think it's on par if not uh surpassing those moments it's what you've been waiting
1: for like now two and a half movies you Mm -hmm. know I want to see an alien Ripley that close where it looks like they're about to make out the little like thing is at its mouth it comes out but it doesn't even touch Ripley, and then it leaves. It that's what eat. Fincher
0: has the balls to do in this as well. He he addresses. There's almost a romantic connection between the alien and uh, Ripley. Sexual tension. I think that's 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 what he's going for. I, I mean, I, the I, slime is very. It's it's a it's a metaphor.
1: Yeah, I, I I think it knows that when things get that complicated, like it gets sticky. You can't. You know, you have that love hate relationship with with this creature. It's things gonna get sticky.
0: And this it, finally, it's a part of her. Yeah. It's become... It's inside her now. She is becoming the monster.
1: Yeah. It's so complex. I understand it turned people off because it was just sometimes... It It was asking
0: a lot of its audience at the time. I I
1: understand, like, an hour into the movie when this is happening, I mean, you're still thinking of what happened in the beginning, which is that they got rid of the three characters that you liked from the previous one, so... (laughs) I understand that that happens. Something that actually we neglected to mention before Dr. Clemens gets killed is Ripley finds out that the alien is there because she goes looking for Bishop. She she looks for the remains of Bishop the android and so she can like, you know, hook him up and at least get some answers from him. But before that happens, she's almost raped as promised by three or four of the inmates there. You know, these guys obviously... Representing the worst of humanity.
0: I think they represent just society in general.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not only like rapists. They're like douchey rapists. The guy like that's about to rape her. Put some sunglasses on. Put sunglasses on before he even you know does it, and then starts screaming.
0: Yeah. Uh, like, he's a rock star, so... Okay. These gentlemen have been pent up for quite some time. I think their game could have used a little work. That's not how you address a woman. Like, I've been on some dry spells in my life, but... I mean, the best proof to that is that, that Dr. Clemens, who has a terrible game as well, but he's yeah. at least, you know... He's he's indecent. Yeah. He's kind. Yeah. Dylan, the good brother, saves the day and takes all of the, the white rapists out, the evil white man. I think that's another thing, too. I think the white man is the, the, the true villain in this. I think Fincher was trying to attack uh, societal problems on a lot of levels.
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, what he's telling you is minorities need to stick together. Yes. You know, you have the black guy, Charles Dutton, and uh, he he knows, even though he acts, he antagonizes Ripley, he knows that she is his best chance of survival. He can recognize a strong woman, and so he defends her when she needs to, as opposed to the other black guy in the cast who gets killed pretty early on. mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
0: Well, this is very slasher movie esque. So a black guy has to die early on. So yeah, and I, I didn't mean to skip ahead there. I was just so excited about the face off that I just wanted to get there. I know. Yeah, me
1: too. I was well, I was excited about Doctor Clemens dying because I just I like what it says about the world. You know, the doctor is gonna die because he's nice. That's just how it, he gets laid and then he dies. But yeah, she hooks Bishop up, and here comes like another very important moment. Something that I think people overlook, which is this movie is also about euthanasia and mercy killing you get this early on with bishop and of course plays a big role at the end as well she she manages to wake bishop up and he is a mess he can barely speak his face is he's missing all his limbs and after he gets information from her he tells her please kill me because even if they reconstruct me i will never be top of the line again and i can see how and our world, our society, you know, people would frown at that decision. They would be like, how dare you, you know, help that android kill himself? You know, you should keep that android hooked for as long as possible. And he can still be rebuilt, even if he's not top of the line. But and- no, Ripley
0: follows his wishes, and that's how he should be. And Fincher demonstrates that uh, a human's life is up to their own discretion. He, he, he demonstrates it through an android, but I think that's really what he's trying to say. No, well, I think he's
1: getting you ready for what happens later. Yes. Which is, you know, Ripley herself has to make some sort of decision
0: about that. And it's really sad, because he has a similar demise to his son David in Prometheus. While Cle- uh, Clemens is being killed, the warden is holding a meeting, saying that all these people are turning up dead, and I think he's trying to place the blame onto Ripley when she appears and says that the alien is here, and no one seems to believe her until the warden, Brian Glover, is snatched up. We don't quite see what happens to him, but it doesn't look like a good scene. No,
1: I, w- I would posit that uh, the warden is there, too. He's a symbol of the media distributing lies and trying to cloud people's perceptions. You know, how does he start a speech... Rumor control. These are the facts. Just like you see every time that you turn on Fox News or CNN. I'm sorry, but there will come a point in, in our world, in our society, where like those people will just get snatched by aliens. Because that's just you can't you can't confound the truth for that long without consequences happening.
0: And David Fincher saw this 22 years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, and that's something that goes throughout his filmography. His I mean, as, as, as recently as Gone Girl, we're also like, he, he criticizes the media very harshly. But it all starts with that word, and then the rumor control guard, uh, warden.
0: So the warden's out of the picture and now there's r- no leader of the ship so to speak and I think the rest of the crew realizes what's going on and Dylan the good brother basically puts all the responsibility on a Ripley and says she's as good of a chance we have against this thing as anyone.
1: Yeah, the nerve of having a woman be the leader and yet she succeeds i mean yeah she a lot of more people are gonna die before the movie ends but ultimately i mean dylan the good brother recognizes that their best chances with ripley Mm -hmm. and the other men predictably don't like this they they throw a fit but eventually they fold and they follow her yeah she
0: knows what's up because she's a strong independent female that's right so they devise a plan to trap the alien there's like this room that is only has one entrance the toxic waste disposal yes yes so they're wanting to trap him. Is it explained what they're going to do with him if they trap him in that first scenario? No, I think they just want to trap
1: him. I, I, they haven't thought that far ahead. <laughs> <And>
0: <laughs> they're still recovering from the loss of the
1: warden. Yes,
0: As they're it, understandably shaken.
1: Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's uh, not only do they have to deal with the fact that they they have a woman among the ranks after like I don't know decades, but yeah. also now they've lost their leader. And oh, I was after. about to say that.
0: Yeah, you beat me to it. This uh, c- civilization of men, I think, have responded pretty well because they've just been like you know, dick jokes and chicken wings for the past however many years, and then in the span of one day, they have a female introduced to them and an alien has come aboard their civilization. And I think they've responded as well as you could expect.
1: I would have... I mean, the fact that there's only one raped attempt in the entire movie, that is remarkable. Mm -hmm. I think it shows that Fincher does have some faith in society to pull itself together when it comes to it. But yeah, uh, another notable thing about that sequence where they try to trap the alien in the toxic waste room is... The fact that notable character actor Pete Possible, uh he I think he's been in the movie before, but this is the first time that he utters like a line, and it's when he explains why they called eighty-five eighty-five, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the guy that used to be the second in command of the warden. I don't know who the actor is, but he's actually one of my favorite actors in the movie. But, yeah, when Pete Posseway explains that, uh, that's when I was like, oh, it's Pete Posseway. And that just shows that, you know, there were some people that knew what was up. Like, uh, Pete Posseway probably didn't need to be in that movie. But he was just like, yeah, I'll take a bit part. Mm-hmm. He has, like, maybe five lines in the entire movie. He
0: saw yeah. he he saw the light at the end of the tunnel. He realized what this film was going to do. Yeah. Yeah, he wanted to be a part of it. And it's a, it's a shame that Charles Dutton never really went on from here because he has, like, the defining role of the film outside of Sigourney Weaver. So they plan to trap it, and that goes awry. We get a, a pretty... Awesome chase scene, and this is just as good a time to any talk about it. this movie is just a visual feast. I mean, David Fincher, if you know, he's he's making this incredible societal commentary at the same time though he's just making this incredibly visually striking film.
1: I loved it. It's the best that Alien has ever looked. It just and it's not just that the extra thing that they added to the design, but just it just looks so menacing. Uh, I rewatched the original Alien not too long ago, and that Alien looks like shit. So there is, I think that Fincher, I, I would imagine him being the perfectionist he is, he knew that after two movies, the third movie needed to give you an alien that was actually scary, not just scary because it bursts out of people's chests, but mm-hmm. scary because it can stand on its own and actually look menacing. So it looks great, the alien and the look of the prison itself with all its, like, nasty things going on. Uh, all those bugs crawling everywhere.
0: In a movie like this that is as powerful as it is with its writing and uh, delivery... You know, you could phone it in when it comes to the presentation, but Fincher doesn't. He makes sure that this movie hits you on every single level, and even the score, I think, ranks amongst the better of the 90s. Yep, uh,
1: that's definitely some early work by an uncredited Trent Reznor. That was, like, the first time they collaborated together. and That's right. It, it just shows you, like, that is the seed that eventually, you know, grew into the soundtrack for, like, The Social Network and Gone Girl and uh, Girl with Dragon Tattoo. I mean, that is just overall, like, a, a meeting of the minds that was just worked out in every way.
0: I think Alien 3 had a lot to do with Nine Inch Nails, too, the formation of that, and Trent Reznor, I think he, he realized he had a knack for this kind of thing, so after that I think he really picked up the, the ball, so to speak, and got off running, and you know, now he's an Academy Award winner, as far as music writing goes.
1: I don't know how he feels, but I would guess that he's still like, he might look at his Oscar, but then he would look at Alien 3 and be like, yeah, I'll take Alien 3 over anything else that I've yeah. done, because like that he... was just the best. So they failed. Under attempt to trap the alien. It's a disaster. Uh, we lose a lot more prisoners and, during that sequence. Not Pete possible. And now they need to regroup. And it's at this point that Ripley makes uh, the second big discovery that's going to send the movie into uh, a different direction. She starts, she's been feeling tired, her throat hurts, she's been feeling sick overall. And, you know, I guess she's getting a case of uh, what in the future would be the morning sickness. She goes and get uh, gets into the scanner in her old ship Gets a sonogram. Uh, recruits uh, 85 to help her. And you can see the reaction it is exactly as when a, a girl, you know, sees that, that plus on the pregnancy test. She has an alien inside her. She's alien pregnant. She has a queen, not just a regular alien, but she has a queen growing inside her. Now she that this is where the movie becomes a pro choice movie. Mm-hmm. On top of everything else that Fincher has been tackling, now he's dealing with what do you do when you're carrying a little creature inside you and you don't really want to uh...
0: you know, we've already tackled racial and gender equality and then also, you know, the depravity of man and society's, you know, uh, holdbacks but now we're tackling a whole new issue and, and being a pro-choice type thing and obviously ripley doesn't know how to react and she's
1: understandably confused for a little bit you know she's she she's still strong but she doesn't know what to do as anybody would uh that's that's what's good about the movie you know she she's a strong character but she's still human mm-hmm. so her first impulse
0: is to go to uh brother dylan for help she She goes to Dylan the good Brother, and she panics, and she just wants out uh, almost i guess we could say abort things and he, she asks Dylan the good Brother to kill her and he won't do it he's not he's he's a man of
1: God, and also he's he's smart he can see that there's a better way of dealing with things he
0: represents the pro life but in a non judgmental type way right he
1: he's he can compromise <laughs> basically they figure out that because she's pregnant with the queen that's why the alien won't hurt her so very logically, he says, well, if the alien won't hurt you, then perhaps you can help us beat it. And then after that, I'll kill you. Which is like, all right, that's that seems like, you know, meeting somebody halfway. Yeah,
0: it, it's it's kind of like almost saying, we'll, we'll become one with God, and then I'll let you into the kingdom type thing. Yeah. It, it's, uh, a, it's a very pro-life in a non-conservative type way of presenting it. I'll let you have
1: an abortion, but you have to feel really bad about it, and then we'll be okay.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah.
1: So that's what happens. Like, they come together again and use the fact that Ripley has some sort of immunity against the alien as part of their new plan. They convince all the prisoners that remain to put up a last stand, and try this time. Now it's when they're going to try to not freeze it. What they're going to do is pour lead on it, hot lead on it. Yeah, molten uh, that, lead. Yeah, uh, that's they figured that's how they, they can kill With it. With the
0: intention of solidifying it.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: I think the original way they think is they're
1: going to kill it. That they're they're going to melt get, it. They're going to melt okay. the okay. fucker. While all this is going on, the company that, that has been trying to get their hands on an alien since the first movie, they've been getting reports from the computer every time that something has happened. So when... Ripley that got her sonogram, that information got sent to them. So now they know she's pregnant with the Queen, mm-hmm. so they're uh, speeding up the recovery of, of Ripley. They're sending people. So you have this awesome final act where they're trying to destroy the alien, intercut with the ship of, like, the company arriving mm-hmm. there and trying to get
0: Ripley. And just backing up a few steps, I think also the that's very... That's uh, Fincher's way of like representing the government as far as like prying into your personal life and not allowing you to have any privacy at all, and especially that of the female like. absolutely. I believe your sonogram is your sonogram, not the government's sonogram or your employer's
1: sonogram or anybody else, you know, but of course they're underway there to prevent Ripley to kill her baby, her mm-hmm. alien baby, and that is none of their business mm-hmm. so I mean
0: it, so we got like I think what's interesting is you know. The pro-life and pro-choice thing is so, uh, it seems to be so white and black, uh, no pun intended, but you have Dylan the Good Brother who represents a very logical pro-life stance, and then you have the the company that's coming out to make sure that she doesn't kill it for all the wrong reasons. They want to just prohibit her from being in control of her own being and her actions in life.
1: They're on their way there, and they're arriving and trying to figure out where things are. Like the, the rest of the prisoners and Ripley... Have devised this plan, which it's basically them leading the running around and closing doors while the aliens chasing them so they can lead him to the room where he will be uh, destroyed with the molten lead. And it's it provides one of the most amazing visual sequences, which is where we uh, are introduced to the alien cam, yeah. I would say. It
0: took the Indiana Jones concept of the running away from the boulder and just took it to a completely different level It hasn't been top since.
1: Yes, it, it's like imagine if you had the point of view camera of the boulder in the end, Jones wouldn't that be more exciting?
0: And yes that's it exactly what happens yeah. and I think Fincher probably saw that and said I can do that better and he did here he did yeah,
1: yeah he did that, that's, that's just great especially because it doesn't just stick to the floor and it's all rolling it's like crawling all over so he switches to the ceiling and and you know let's admit it like few things are more fun than seeing British actors being chased by a camera. That's just like... Yes. It, I mean,
0: I, like, we're humans after all. Like, it, we we enjoy the same things. Like, I think... Right. It, and that's one of them.
1: I think that, you know, we wouldn't have all these, like, found footage things, uh, you know, like Paranormal Activity and uh, Chronicle or anything, you know, if uh, you hadn't had David Fincher play with, like, the POV alien uh, camera. Right? I have
0: right. read... I read in Rolling Stone once the uh, Prodigy... The Smack My Bitch Up music video was directly inspired by the Alien cam from Alien 3. I can see that. Yeah. so
1: I, I definitely see that. It, it definitely
0: spawned on a, a lot of rip-offs and uh, failed attempts for years and years to come.
1: Yeah, I mean, Blair Witch Project. I'm sorry, Alien 3 started that whole did. thing. It's, it did. Just, just imagine that instead of, like, you know, that the camera in Blair Witch is an alien, and that's pretty much Alien 3. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, and the, the
0: kids aren't British, but, like, it, it's just it's trying to be the same thing. yeah. So eventually, though, they do get the, the alien. They corner him into the, I guess, the the warehouse portion of the planet. And good brother Dylan is backing away with Lieutenant Ripley as the alien is just very cautiously approaching them. The alien wants to kill uh, Dylan, but doesn't want to harm Ripley at all. Good brother Dylan, being the good brother that he is, allows Ripley to escape and puts up one last stand against the alien.
1: Uh, He has, like, one of the most telling
0: lines in the movie,
1: which is, because obviously he's about to sacrifice himself, which means that he's not going to be alive to kill Ripley afterwards. (laughs) And when she tells him, but you promised me, and he goes, don't worry, God will take care of you. (laughs) And Ripley's response is, no! <laughs> because Ripley is a smart woman, and she knows uh, God doesn't care. <laughs> God, if God cared, she wouldn't be carrying a baby alien right now. God it's, was
0: busy making other miracles happen at this time. Yes, God was busy. Um, God called in sick that day.
1: Yeah. He was like, oh, this is too much. He was like, 25 inmates that haven't seen a woman in 20 years. I, I don't want to see this. I'm out. I'm out. Uh, yeah, I'm out. I, Let's check on Earth.
0: So Ripley escapes and uh, Dylan has his face off with the alien and just calmly says, Fuck you, as the alien charges him. And, you know, Dylan puts up a fight, but it's kind of a a foregone conclusion. I don't think he stood much of a chance from the beginning. He didn't, but he puts up a good fight. He does. He lasts lasts much longer than every other single victim in the film. That is... And, you know, he has the alien on top of him Mm -hmm. and he's
1: still, like, you know, he manages to yell at Ripley and tell her to keep going and to push the buttons and all Mm -hmm. the stuff, so good for him he goes out he's a tough motherfucker man yeah. yeah
0: yeah it's he clear. takes
1: he takes his glasses off yeah. like any civilized man would do before getting to a fight and then
0: it's clear why none of the other prisoners fucked with him because he he put up the best fight against this alien
1: yeah yeah it's it's kind of a shame but you know it just shows you that it, it's a tough world out there it is so you know we, the difference between whether you're a badass or not might be just that you don't die earlier into the movie, but you still die. It's we just, all meet our
0: end sometime. Yeah. I don't know if Fincher meant to give that message because he was so busy giving so many others, but maybe that's it. Like, no matter what, you, the end will always come. So as the alien is attacking Dylan the Good Brother, Lieutenant Ripley informs one of the prisoners that they had helped them to dump the lead. It's the only prisoner that's left. Well, it's
1: him and... Uh, 85, who 85 is actually leading the scientists from the company yeah. throughout the prison trying to find Ripley. I don't remember the, the prisoner. That's we don't like get much of a
0: backstory on him. It's just he becomes very helpful at the end. He's kind of the the little tinny, so to speak, of someone who just kind of really doesn't have too much of a backstory but really plays a pivotal role in the end and dumps the lead and we think the alien's done. But like in any any great horror or suspense film, we always have to have one last great, uh, holy shit, and the alien jumps up from the abyss and he's drenched in molten lead, and dripping with it, and he begins chasing Lieutenant Ripley. And this is another key moment, because Ripley kind of panics. You can tell that she
1: doesn't know what to do, and then she makes a decision to listen to the British prisoner that's left, and follow his advice, which is, hey, the motherfucker is hot, (laughs) hit the sprinklers, and... She listens to this man who previously has yelled at her and hated her and probably even tried to rape her. And she follows his advice, showing you that sometimes you just have to sleep with the enemy. Sometimes you just have to, like, you know, take their advice and sometimes you have to take common ground against Mm -hmm. a bigger threat. She hits the sprinklers and the alien is history. Mm -hmm. It's pretty awesome. It cracks. It begins to crack and then he he explodes eventually. it, It explodes. It's pretty awesome. I... I think exposed just as the scientists, are finally arriving to the, to the site. And then we have just, like, the final sequence, which is... Emotionally
0: jarring on every level.
1: I, yeah, it just destroyed me. It, it destroys me every time I see it, because it just shows... You know, it just reminds you what women go through every every day. It, you know, you have, like... Notice there's not a single female scientist in that team. It's all men, led by Lance Henriksen playing... Bishop. Bishop well playing the guy that created Bishop mm-hmm. whose likeness was, was you know,
0: who basically Bishop. represents the narcissism of man who he created an android in his own image after himself I mean yep. what a prick
1: yeah but then you know that's what happens when god's not watching you know that's man,
0: man becomes, will play uh, god yeah. when god is not watching and it
1: will create androids that will eventually uh, fight aliens
0: but Bishop's there because he wants what is inside of Ripley he wants her to have the baby basically mm-hmm. he's
1: trying to trick her into thinking that he doesn't but we all know and ripley knows that
0: really what they want is the baby and, and he promises her her safety but they all know that she'll die if it comes to it one last time proves what a resourceful
1: strong character she is and instead decides to kill
0: herself she just jumps into the lava mm-hmm. she the she takes matters into her own hands if anyone's going to take her life from her it's going to be her and she's not going to have the government uh, do anything with her baby. And she repels backwards into, like you said, the, the the boiling pot, the lava there at the bottom of the warehouse. And on the way down, the alien hatches and bursts from her chest. And in this great moment of destiny, she grabs it as she falls into and they die together. It's, as they should. Yeah. It's it's, it's it's touching. Like I think all things considered that we've been through with this movie and this franchise... And far more so than Alien and Aliens, this takes you on such a bigger emotional roller coaster. And to end like that is just—it's just, you it's don't just know how wow. To feel. You yeah. feel bad for Ripley. You feel bad for the baby alien.
1: You feel, feel bad for the other alien that exploded. You feel bad for—you have for resentment
0: for the, the the company and everyone else that's like oppressed her. And you just—you just want to stand up and clap.
1: Yeah, and, and like I said, you know, you have a new understanding of what it's like to be a woman who is pregnant with a child she doesn't want, mm-hmm. and who is just alone, basically, in the world. You're surrounded by men who are hostile or only nice because they want something from you. You, know, you have to wonder, would uh, Dr. Clemens have been as nice to her if she wasn't a woman? Mm-hmm. You know, Would they even have pulled her out of the wreckage? She knows what they want the entire time, and she, she navigates those waters uh, very impressively.
0: And beautifully in the end, like we said, she takes her destiny in her own hands. She says, this is my life, my choice, and I'm going to do this my way. It shakes you up. The ending really shakes you up. Yeah, it really, I mean, when it,
1: what it boils down to is Alien 3 is a movie about a woman teaching a bunch of criminals mm-hmm. what it's like to be a woman, mm-hmm. and in a way, what it's like to be a man. And Sadly, then... all of them are dead by the end of the movie, except for like that one guy, so hopefully that one guy went on to carry the message. Mm-hmm.
0: Hopefully he got off the planet and you know is giving seminars to this day all around the galaxy. He wrote a book, Ripley and I, the story of Fury 161. <laughs> Ripley was there to teach them a lesson, but I think Fincher was here to teach us a lesson.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is, a franchise doesn't have to be defined by what you think the franchise is, but what the fans think the franchise is. Franchise should be just a
0: jumping off point, you know, and from there on, you can just do whatever you want. He taught us so much about ourselves as humans, but I think also he taught us a lot in the film industry that you shouldn't fear change. If you're used to something, then, you know, mixing it up a little bit is not necessarily a bad thing. Right, I mean, obviously, like we said, everybody expected a movie that was just going to carry on with
1: the surviving character from Aliens, and instead he just completely turned things around. I'm sure
0: he's smart enough to know that that would have pissed people off, mm-hmm. but he didn't care. You
1: know? he, he was didn't. ambitious, he was
0: young and ready to conquer the world, that was his first feature-length film and. I think he hit a fucking home run. Yeah, and you know what? Like, 20 years later, he's still making movies and being
1: acclaimed director. All those people that hated Alien 3, what are they doing with their lives? I mean, what, are they just complaining about the latest movie? Well, you ready for some real talk? Okay, let's do, let's do real
0: talk. T-shirts, T-shirts, T-shirts. Hundreds of thousands of wrestling T-shirts, all for you to buy. Starring all of your favorite wrestlers. Daniel Bryan, Bret Hart Goes to Montreal, Some Dead Guy, The Blackjacks, Mulligan and Lanza, not Wyndham and Bradshaw. (laughs) Wrestling! SmarksLikeUs.com, SmarksLikeUs.com, SmarksLikeUs.com. Selling you wrestling T-shirts! Also available, buttons, stickers, and kitty cats. Meow. Let's talk about Alien 3. Alright, so... This is our second episode. Yes. But dare I say this will be, as far as behind the scenes and backstory goes, one of the more interesting films that we will ever cover.
1: Yeah, it's, it's possible. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to, like, throw superlatives. That, that
0: I know. Like, I'm just saying, but... like, in researching for this episode, man, you want to talk about a movie that was put in a dryer and bounced around a lot. It's uh, It's an interesting one. Having seen it... I'll give you a little bit of backstory about my alien Three relationship, which is,
1: I didn't get to watch it when it first came out. I was 12 when it came out. But my uncle did, and he told me about it. I'd seen Alien and Aliens, and so he told me what happened, and... It's different when somebody tells you, My my uncle had liked it, so the first time I experienced the movie was through his eyes, and he was telling me about all the cool stuff that happened, and you know, kind of like, oh yeah, they killed the girl, and they killed Hicks, and the android, and you know, but then all this cool stuff happened. So I never, when it first came out, I didn't have this idea that it was a bad movie, and then later on, as I got older, and you know, the internet happened, and everything, then I realized they had a really bad reputation, that's the movie that, the only movie that everybody hated it. Uh, everybody hated it and uh, I didn't really get to see it like I, I really see it until just like maybe a month ago or so you know I'd seen bits and pieces on TV like but I never you know sat down and watched it from beginning to end and, and part of the reason why I didn't do it was because I already knew what happened and mm. it felt like a downer but I finally watched it recently and I think that all the complications of its production I mean they show especially if you later contrast this cut with the assembly as, uh, the assembly cut. But at the same time, you should just go like, okay, after knowing everything that happened in pre-production and production, it's a miracle they came out with a movie that's pretty decent overall. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, I mean, like we said, it, it looks great. Yeah. It, it, it visually, it's great. And the story, for the most part, holds up. And I do give Fincher credit, Fincher and everybody else involved, for really taking it into a different direction. I mean... It's a risky move, and and maybe, I mean, there is a debate to be had about your responsibility when you're, like, working on a franchise, and how much you owe it to the fans to do certain things, and how much you owe it, you don't owe them anything, Mm you know? Is it the right move to really kill, like, beloved characters from the previous movie (laughs) (laughs) that you were not involved with, just so you can tell your own story? I don't know. I mean, I I, I heard an interview with James Cameron uh, a while ago where he was, he actually took a dig at Alien 3, talking about how like you know he didn't think that that was right he he liked fincher as a filmmaker but he didn't think that that was the right move to basically several most of ties
0: with the franchise it's really hard to judge fincher as a filmmaker on this because it was so out of his hands when right. it was eventually made mm-hmm. like the, uh, some of the stories say that he was fired and rehired three times in the process of making the movie and he was the second director vincent ward was on it and they apparently were pretty well into it when um, he was canned and, like, the script went through so many rewrites and everything that, from what I was able to gather in some research was, uh, one of the original scripts had Hicks, Michael Bain, as the main character. They were going to get rid of uh, Ripley. And then when he found out that the completed script had him dying in the first scene... I read that he made as much money for them to use his likeness in that one scene as he made in Aliens, because he was so furious about it. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, I need to make movies for a few
1: years. Yeah. I, I'm retiring of this money. Which,
0: that guy doesn't have a lot. He's in The Terminator, which is one of the greatest movies ever. But, you know, Michael Bain, God bless him, doesn't have a lot to cling on to, so he was probably devastated by he was it. He was in Planet Terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take that as too much. <laughs> when we were watching this, I, you and I were discussing before we started recording, I, I compared this kind of to the Halloween franchise, in which the first one is an amazing, seminal, all-time great film for its genre. But then the franchise eventually became this huge joke, so a lot of people nowadays don't recognize it as such. Like, the first ones as being great, and a bigger comparison to that, the Halloween thing is, like, the third one has this huge, like, infamous reputation to it. Much like this, where in, it's just oh, like. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, they went off. It's just the, like this. Right, like, they tried to go in a different bars, direction yeah.
0: and, like, try something different. And to a certain extent, I think that's admirable. I think Fincher did want to take it in a different direction, but the studio kind of panicked. The studio made a teaser trailer for it without Fincher's knowledge that um, implied that the movie was going to take place on Earth, which just infuriated him further. And the basically they agreed upon story is like he finished the movie and then they took it and took it apart right
1: uh basically i i don't know if he was part of the reshoots it's it's really crazy i as i said i watched it uh very recently and then i watched the assembly cut and it's very different it's longer and it has like whole new sequences that really flesh out the characters but then there's also like this stuff that's that was just reshot like in the in the assembly cut instead of a dog being infected is uh i think it's an ox they have like they have a bunch of like oxes that are like their beasts of burden there and they use them to like they use them to pull the ship out into the base I think and a lot of stuff and one of them gets infected and then one of them explodes and really all I've been able to find about why they were replaced was that it didn't look like they fit with that world. Which I don't know, I mean I, they look cool when I <laughs> watch this, I'm like they look cool and considering how complicated and expensive it is to reshoot stuff, I'm like, man, somebody must have felt really strongly about, like, we need a dog. We don't need dogs. <laughs> so there's stuff that they reshot, and uh, I don't know if he was part of that, you know? Uh, yeah. uh, but there is, yeah, they've cut a lot out to the film's detriment, really. I still like the theatrical cut. I, I would imagine if I'd seen the assembly cut first and then the theatrical cut, I wouldn't have been able to take the th- uh, theatrical cut seriously. Yeah. It, it was just so much of it is missing but if your first experience with the movie is a theatrical cut, I think that it's all right. Especially if you're not fresh off the the first couple of aliens, because I think that's... I completely understand fandom being upset when it came out, yeah. you know, because of what I said, you know, they killed all those characters. and but
0: You, you have to understand, though, like... Okay, like you get a meal with bacon on the side, right? The first strip of bacon is like, oh my god, this is amazing. And the second one's like, this is still really good. And the third one's like, okay, it's kind of the same thing. If you just expect the same amazing shit every time, you're going to be disappointed. I-, I think the third one has an unfair reputation. Yes, it is not on the same level as the first two, but that doesn't make it a bad film. At the very least, it's an interesting film. and Or I would say
1: it's an interesting alien movie and a pretty decent David Fincher first movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you watch it as like as a David Fincher movie instead of watching as like part of the Alien franchise, you're probably gonna enjoy it a lot more. Agreed. Because you'll be you'll recognize a lot of like Fincher's you trademarks. Know, trademarks, you know, and it's like, oh, it looks like a David Fincher
0: movie. It sounds like a David Fincher movie. A lot of it, those like slightly lower like talking head shots and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It's yeah, very it's good. very stylish. It looks awesome, and it, that it shot bleak. like bleak. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very. We were talking about it in the first portion, the shot of the alien and. Ripley, like, finally, like, facing off. That's awesome. And that's a mm-hmm. shot that has been mimicked so many times in films since then. And it's on uh, no one wants to give it credit because it was Alien 3 that did it. But, like, <laughs> yeah, it has constantly been mimicked. And fucking I Am Legend, which is a train wreck that maybe we can cover sometime. The whole movie was built on the, that replicating shot of, like, the creature, like, getting into that, Will yeah. Smith's face. So, like, it, it's definitely embedded itself into, like, the action genre. I think the ending's awesome. Yeah, I agree.
1: It's it's definitely like, like I told you earlier. Like it's, I, it works as an ending. It works better than the alien, of alien resurrection. Mm-hmm. It's again, it's bleak. It's very dark, but that's exactly where the
0: story's been leading you. You know, through the entire yeah. Story. It, like I use the word like jokingly describe it, but that ending feels like destiny to end it. She's had this relationship with the alien. It becomes a part of her, and she takes both of them out in one foul swoop. Like that's that's it, how you got to do it. I, I like the fact that he makes a decision,
1: Fincher, the writer, whoever did. You know filmmakers made the decision of infecting her with the alien and then there's no easy way out they just follow through with that mm-hmm. you know it's like well she's gonna die you know? yeah so yeah i like that a lot and it has you know it has good performances uh, all fanboying aside like charles dance is really good in it I, I know we differ on Charles Dutton. I like him. He's pretty
0: rough. <laughs> he, I think
1: maybe, you know what, maybe... maybe He's such
0: me. like a cliche 90s action movie side character. He has more
1: scenes and quieter moments in the assembly cut. And I think maybe that's why it doesn't bother me. Because I have like a, a, a more rounded... <laughs> it feels like he's character. just
0: constantly shouting and like talking about God. Which is fine, but his character is just always speaking in hymns and shit. Yeah, just, well
1: like, he, has, he has a couple of quiet scenes in the in the assembly cut uh there's a, a longer cut also of like that whole scene where they're all at the dining room mm-hmm. and you know she sits in front of him and all that stuff uh,
0: Which is a good scene. That's like we were joking about earlier. But that's yeah, that's a
1: that's a good scene. That interview with uh, Sigourney, we were telling you about earlier. Like you know, they were they had her there for like a screening of Alien and Aliens and uh, No Alien Three. <laughs> but, uh, and you know, they love her and with reason because she it is an iconic character and it's crazy when you see what her character is like in the first Alien, you know, and how she grows in Aliens. It's kind of like with the uh, the Linda Hamilton character in Terminator. You mm-hmm. know, she's not tough in the first installment, the second installment, she's a badass. And, yeah. and in this case, you know, she makes it to third. Installment where she's just
0: jaded, jaded and this, yeah, yeah it's, broken.
1: It's it's pretty awesome. She gets all the props for making all that stuff work, and it's funny. We didn't mention the fact that they have to shave their heads. I love that detail. The fact that you know they have a lice problem in that colony and they have to shave their heads, sure. and she has to shave her head. Yeah, that is just I don't know. Visually, that works. It's and it's it just adds like a little bit of flavor there.
0: It was several years later. Demi and Moore would rip that off with GI Jane, but.
1: Um... <laughs> that was Ridley caught saying, uh, "Well, you know you." Uh, I wanted to do the movie. Actually, they I read, I think it was on MDB Trivia, that they asked him to come back for Alien 3 and he turned it down.
0: Really? Yeah. So. It's it's one of those things, too. It's it's interesting to talk about because Fincher's, like, disowned it, but it's like this kind of anomaly of a film and I think... I think it's too harsh of a reputation. Yeah, I mean... Okay, so it has a, what was score on? 43%. 43,
1: I mean, that's no, I would give it... I'd give it
0: like 60, 65, something like that. I'd give it a 70. Really?
1: Yeah, but but, you know, I've seen it more than once recently,
0: so I really enjoy it. That would be a solid C. I would give it a solid C.
1: And even that, well, I have issues with Cs, because Cs imply that there's something that's not good in it. Mm -hmm. and I mean, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work there, but what works, I think it's worth it. I'll give it a... B
0: minus. And here's the thing about the film, man, that really needs to be discussed about, like, the studio taking it over and fucking with it and stuff. This was ten months after Terminator 2 came out. (laughs) A movie that fucked the entire action industry. Like, that scared the shit out of everybody. That changed the game forever. I don't know. Like, I was telling you when we were watching it, the ending is very reminiscent of Terminator 2.
1: I mean, it is it's just in this setting. I mean, yes, I, uh, but still, it, right. she's like
0: hanging from the chains and doing all that, and like falls into the fucking molten. And I'm not saying it's a rip off at all. I'm saying I could probably see why the studio dissected a lot of the time because Fincher was clearly going for like kind of almost intellectually probing and also a different direction and all that. And I think they just wanted bang, 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 bang. Yeah, I mean, it, it's
1: it it boils too. it's not the alien movie that anybody was expecting. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that has to be, like, a really scary thing. You know, it's like, if you made the next Superman movie, a movie where, like, everybody else but Superman dies, and it's just him, you know, flying through space. Just chilling. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Him and Sandra Bullock floating through space. (laughs) Why Sandra Bullock? (laughs) Gravity. Oh. I was like, you mean Amy Adams? (laughs) Visually speaking, yeah, much like Terminator 2, its visual effects hold up. There's only one time in the movie where I thought a visual effect looked hokey. Like, everything the, looks really solid.
1: Yeah, the Alien, the assembly cut, the problem with the assembly cut is that the, the, some of the special effects obviously are not... Like Done. This, but yeah, yeah, so it, it looks, some stuff looks bad. But again, I mean, that's not their fault. I mean, that's not the finished product. And I imagine, like, with today's technology, that's the other thing. We're used to it looking so much better. I mean, that crack about the Alien and the original Alien looking bad. It doesn't look bad, but obviously for the standard, for today's standards, it looks pretty stiff.
0: Yeah, you know. But like, I remember, like, my dad telling me, like, when he saw that in the theater in '79, just being like, "Ah!" Oh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: freaked me out too. I mean, just like the context of it coming out of that guy's chest, and then you know, yeah, I, I can imagine if you're into the movie, then. It, but as somebody that's watching it after a long time, knowing that that's going to happen, you know that it's coming. You're paying attention. You know there's an alien coming, and you're used to just. The special effects of this day and age, when it comes out, it's a little stiff. So yeah, this, I mean, the special effects of Alien 3, they look a lot closer to what we're used to, and they look pretty awesome.
0: And also, whoever made the call, it was smart, because they don't try to do anything way, like, crazy, as far as visually goes, so, like, everything... Yeah,
1: there's a lot of just off-camera stuff. Yeah, and
0: And yeah, as far as cinematography goes, like we said, it looks great, and, like, we were joking about earlier, but the score is really solid, too. Like, a lot of action movies from the 90s, the scores, like, now are so hokey, (laughs) but, like, it holds up. Uh, all yeah. in all, yeah, I think it it solid C. I, I don't think it deserves the hate that it gets. No, it's like you said, though. I think if you view it as a Fincher film and not part of the Alien franchise, you'll get far more out of it than if you do it the other way around.
1: Yeah, I think you, you'll be less disappointed. You should adjust your expectations to that. Probably, I, I think, actually, I'll have a harder time defending Alien Resurrection, but I haven't seen it in a long time. So I, I, think, that, I think that the mistakes that, from what I remember, the mistakes that it makes with the franchise are... are harder to like justify as much as I like it it has a lot of cool stuff too but I don't even know what it's rating it's not the like tomatoes so I know, I feel what like really sucks
0: it. is David Fincher never really did anything after this Like he, he just kind of went into obscurity afterwards yeah
1: that. I feel bad for him uh,
0: yeah, I heard that he'd been
1: trying to uh, get a job directing uh, uh, the newsroom like, there's like this latest season they're going a little dark but, but now he didn't get it man it's
0: Anything too long, I think that he might just need to finance his own movie and just do something. Well, thank you, Mr. Fincher, wherever you are. But that's gonna wrap it up for this episode of the Contrarians. We're right, you're wrong. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to The Contrarians. On your way out, be sure to swing over to youtube.com backslash ovniofilms. That's O-V-N-I-O films. And check out The New Adventures of Baby Jesus, a web series created and written by The Contrarians' very own, Julio Oliveira.